For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Barrier Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network. The only place of the show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. On this week's show, we're going to be talking about the San Francisco 49ers and their upcoming football game over the next week from a betting perspective. But before we get into any of that, can I have a quick word from our sponsor. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and BetOnline is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to the bet on head to bet online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ben Barrett Podcast. For we're on a break, we discuss the plan for this episode. Once again, going to talk about the Niners' upcoming game against the Bengals here in Week Eight. But before we get into any of that, got to do what we always do, which is recap what happened last week, both for our picks and for the Niners in general. Starting off with the Niners, not good. Ended up losing the Monday night game against the Vikings on the road. They were favored in that game by about a touchdown, and they lost by five. Pretty ugly game there. As for us, did lose. We did lean to the Niners on the side. However, did also like the under in that game, and that got there. So the actual betting action for us ended up pushing. But for the Niners, really was just not fun. They did not lead the entire game, and they made it interesting on a couple of occasions. But at the end of the day, they got the ball back a little bit too late, and you saw a couple of turnovers be the undoing for the Niners in the second half. But to go through the actual game flow and everything of the sort, you had the Vikings open up a 10-0 lead uh, thanks to a Jordan Addison touchdown and a Greg Joseph field goal. Then McCaffrey had a rushing touchdown before half, but the real backbreaker came with about seven seconds left into the first half because Cousins chucked up an absolute prayer which should have been intercepted, but Addison did rip it away from the defensive back, and you saw a 60-yard touchdown, which gave the Vikings a nine-point lead at halftime. Then they kicked the field goal after a pretty nice goal-line stand by the Niners' defense. Then McCaffrey took over for another touchdown, 35-yard swing pass from Brock Purdy. Then you saw a 54-yard field goal. Then Moody kicked a 55-yard field goal, and then that was the final score of the game. So no points in the final 13-plus minutes. And you saw the Niners get the ball back late. They tried to drive, but they were against, they were racing against the clock. And you ended up seeing the interception at the end of the game, which iced it. 
And to go through the actual stats here, Purdy, I kind of alluded to with the actual interceptions. He was not great. Now, his numbers could have been worse, but the turnovers were definitely a problem. 272 passing yards, one touchdown, two picks, sacked one time. QBR of 63.5. As for the actual rushing attack, non-existent for the Niners in this game. Not exactly a shock when you found out that McCaffrey had an oblique tear, so I wasn't totally shocked. He had 45 rushing yards, but he did have a touchdown. Purdy had five carries for 19 yards. Uh, You had a little jet sweep for Kittle for two yards, and that was basically it. Now, as for the receiving core, Kittle led the way with 78 yards. You had Ayuk with 57 yards in the first half and then had zero yards in the entire second half. Juwan Jennings at 54 yards, McCaffrey at 51 yards and a touchdown, and you had McLeod who had a couple of catches there late in the fourth quarter as he finished with 20. As for the defense, I also forgot to mention McCaffrey did lose a fumble early on in that game. Now for the defense, they did not sack Kirk Cousins a single time, and it was really an awful showing. Now even though Minnesota only scored 22 points, the pass defense was embarrassing because Cousins threw for 378 yards and he had a QBR of 80, so he once again played very well. Now, as for the Niners' defense, once again, no sacks. They did have an interception uh, courtesy of Traverius Ward, so he did his part. But I mentioned Cousins' numbers a second ago. I'll go into more detail. But he had 35 completions on 45 attempts for 378 yards and two touchdowns. One pick early in the game, but he settled down after that. Should have been two picks, but Addison ripped one away from a defensive back and turned it into a touchdown. But you're looking at Minnesota's rushing attack, non-existent, which was expected. Madison at 39 rushing yards, Akers at 31. That was basically it. For the receiving core, Addison at 123 yards and two touchdowns. You saw Hawkinson with 11 catches, 86 yards. Powell at 64 yards, Osborne at 47 yards, and Cam Akers had 30. But giving up 378 yards to a team missing Justin Jefferson is embarrassing, and I do think the Niners' defense should definitely feel embarrassed after losing that game. That was pretty much I want that was pretty winnable for them, but they were unable to do so. Now, as for the actual defense for Minnesota, they only sacked Purdy one time. That sack was courtesy of Daniel Hunter, and for the interceptions, you ended up seeing. Uh, The same guy, you had Cameron Bynum, who had both interceptions, including the game clincher in about the final minute. So once again, it was a winnable game for the Niners, but unfortunately for them, turnovers weren't exactly doing them any favors. They definitely missed Debo Samuel, and McCaffrey was limited on the ground and with his health. I know that once again, he had two touchdowns and 95 or 96 all-purpose yards, but still it felt like the Niners were struggling a bit up front compared to usual. And that definitely resulted in an, imba- in an imbalance with the offensive play calling. And that really was the story of the game. But anyway, not to mention the defense being terrible against the pass. But as for the Niners, with regard to the division, they are still one game up or half a game up against Seattle, so it could be worse. Uh, For Minnesota, they are now two games back of Detroit. But for the Niners' upcoming game this week, they face off against the Bengals, and it should be pretty interesting because the injury report has definitely been a key area of concern for the Niners because we already knew Devo Samuel has not been practicing for a while. You knew that Trent Williams was injured, but there was a new name, a pretty important name, added to the list, Brock Purdy. So Purdy apparently got injured in the fourth quarter, but he stayed in the game, I guess, and then threw a pick to lose it. And then after the game, they said, by the way, he might have a concussion. So 
You can read into that how you want to. Either way, point is Purdy is in protocol, so we'll see if he's able to pass protocol or not. If he's unable to, Sam Darnold would be getting the start, which is why the line has dropped with the spread in this game. But to look at the actual injury report for Cincinnati, not really any concerns. You had Davis Gaither, who did not participate in practice, and everybody else is basically healthy. So Cincinnati should be fully healthy since they did have the bye last week. So they have an extra week of prep. But it is in San Francisco, and the Niners are undefeated at home this season. So you are expecting the Niners to look sharper. But we saw Warner get injured late in that fourth quarter. I think he's fine, but it is definitely a concern anytime he ends up on the turf. But you're looking at the overall spot here for Cincinnati. This team's 3-3, three and three, currently in last place in the, in the AFC North. Not really their fault, because uh, Burrow was injured to start the year, and the division's very difficult with Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland all being four and two or better. But I think when you're looking at the spot, Cincinnati's off of a very close win against Seattle, which they probably should have lost, but Seattle was that bad in the red zone. They did have a week off, so they do have extra prep time, and the Niners actually have less prep time since they played on Monday night. But I do think looking at this overall spot with the injury report, you might lean to Cincinnati because the Niners are still favored in this game. They're favored by about three and a half. But I feel like the problem that you're looking at is do I trust a Sam Darnold to actually lead the Niners to victory? And to be fair to Darnold, he actually was decent last year as the spot starter for Carolina. Now, they didn't rely on him to do anything besides hand the ball off, but they did win a couple games with him behind center last year. And the game script, or I should say the overall strategy, would be the same, where the Niners would probably want to limit all of the responsibilities on Darnold's plate, try to run the ball, and try to make life easier for Darnold in play action. The problem is McCaffrey still has the oblique tear, and Debo Samuel's been injured. So I do wonder how effective the Niners will be when it comes to establishing the ground game. Now, it does help the face off against Cincinnati because the Bengals are allowing 142.8 rushing yards per game, which is one of the highest amounts in the league. So the Niners should, once again, keyword should, be able to run the ball relatively well and limit the amount of pressure and responsibility on Darnold. But we'll see if the pass defense can stop Cincinnati since they just got torched by Kirk Cousins. Now, Cincinnati's offensive line has not been good this year, and we are going to see how Burrow looks with the week off. So maybe he'll look a lot healthier than he did earlier this year. Remains to be seen, but the point is it is worth monitoring after your defense gets torched by Kirk Cousins with no Justin Jefferson in the lineup, how you're going to look against Joe Burrow. So there are some question marks for both teams. Cincinnati's rush defense has been a problem, and the offensive line has been an issue. They cannot run the ball. Uh, they're averaging 69.8 rushing yards per game. So Cincinnati might go full pass attack in this game because they kind of have to, kind of like what Minnesota did in the Monday night game. But the real story for the 49ers, once again, besides the injuries to the skill position players, Brock Purdy, is there a big drop-off between Purdy and Darnold? We don't know. But the point is, you might have to use a backup quarterback and you are laying more than a field goal at home. It is going to be a pretty interesting uh, spread and it might look obvious by the end of the game, but for the actual preview pregame, it's going to be difficult to determine which side to actually support in the spot since the Niners are so good at home. But I do question how Darnold's going to look with his first regular season appearance with this team. Or maybe not appearance because, once again, you saw a couple of blowout games, but his first meaningful snaps with this organization. Let's put it that way.
But for the sake of the actual spread and the total, the Bengals once again are plus three and a half. The Niners are minus three and a half. And the over-under in this game is 43 and a half. So I think, even though I said it's going to be difficult to actually pick a side, I think I have to go with the actual scheduling spot. I'm going to take Cincinnati. I don't feel great about it, but the Niners offense has scored 17 points in back-to-back weeks. I'm not a big fan of how the offense has looked. Now you're looking at Darnold taking over, and you're looking at potentially not having Samuel again, Trent Williams potentially not playing again, and McCaffrey's banged up. I do think that Cincinnati has the overall talent to keep Cincinnati in this game. Uh, just in general, I think that the offense is solid with Burrow and with Chase and company. Higgins has been a non-factor this season. He's apparently healthy, which is a big boost for them, too. I'm going to go Cincinnati plus three and a half. I think they're good enough to hang around. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but I think it's going to be a one possession game late, maybe three points that could go either way. So I am going to go with the underdog because of it, since this is a pretty unpredictable spot. Give me the Bengals plus the three and a half, and I will go with the under at 43 and a half. I see a low scoring game. Cincinnati might be a little bit improved, depending on how healthy Burrow actually is. The offensive line is still not very good. And with the exception of the Arizona game, they have not been good offensively at all. Uh, The last four games scored 19 against the Rams scored three against Tennessee, scored 34 against Arizona. Once again, Arizona is one of the worst teams in the league and scored 17 against the Seahawks last game. The Niners defense in general, still solid. Even though they gave a bunch of passing yards, they did only give up 22 points in the game against Minnesota. But I really can see some type of 2017 type game where it's going to be ugly. And I do think that Cincinnati's offense might look better But the offensive line concerns are not going to totally vanish, and blocking Nick Bosa should be a problem for this team. But I have faith in Burrow to hang in there and keep this game close. Give me the Bengals plus 3.5 and and give me the under 43.5 as my picks for this game. Now, as for the actual schedule for the Niners coming up, so this was week 8 to go through the rest of it. They are going to be off next week uh, for week 9. Then they come back for week 10 against the Jaguars on the road. Then they're playing against the Buccaneers at home, the Seahawks on the road. First of two meetings against the Seahawks, pretty important because no offense to the Rams. I think the NFC West is a two-horse race, kind of one and a half, but Seattle's only half a game back. So I do think, once again, uh, you're going to look at a pretty interesting scheduling spot moving forward because the Jaguars are a playoff team. Buccaneers might be a playoff team, probably not. Uh, Seattle is in their division. That's our arch rival. The Eagles on the road, and then the Seahawks again. So they faced off against the Seahawks two times in the span of three weeks. So that's going to probably determine the division uh, right there. But the point is the Niners do have a bye week next week, which means for the sake of the episode next week, we'll probably do our midseason recap episode with some report card grades, just grading some overall position groups and players and talking about what we've thought of the performance so far this season. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio and find me once again on this show next week when we go through the Niners by edition. Uh, But until then, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.